Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to uh, Mondays Down South. Um, I guess I shouldn't really say welcome back uh, for context. <laughs> the three of us have been recording uh, podcasts amongst the three of us talking about sports for a while now, but uh, haven't really <laughs> taken much of an effort to actually publish it and let other people hear it. We've been doing it for our own fun. Um, but with everything going on in the world right now, um, we figured this is the best time for us to get together and you know talk a little sports, especially because we miss them. And hopefully we can bring you guys a little bit of joy along the way. And Hope all you guys are staying safe and healthy and, uh, you know, stay inside and be careful. And let's get the ball rolling. Ev, Zach, you guys want to introduce yourselves? You know, this is the first time we're going to be doing a YouTube one. So might be the best best way to do it. Ev, ladies yeah. first. Oh, <laughs> thank you, sir. Appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, welcome to uh, welcome to the new channel, everyone. I'm uh, Evan Maroney in Raleigh, North Carolina. Um, I guess sports-wise, I, I guess maybe do the sports teams. I'm Redskins. Hurricanes here in North Carolina, um, Orioles and Wizards. That was harder to think of than I thought of. But uh, yeah, so those are my biases. I'll get them out of the way now. But uh, yeah, looking forward to it to get the channel going. Zach, go ahead. And my name is Zach Wakulik. I uh, recently was living in Austin, Texas, but now I'm back in the D.C. area with my boy Cy over here. So I'm um, excited to be back. I guess technically we're still Mondays down south. I would consider Virginia a southern state. I guess that, that's kind of a hot take. Right? Geogra geographically, yes, we are below the yeah, geographically, so it counts. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. But my teams are obviously the uh, Carolina Pan or Atlanta Falcons, um, the uh, the Virginia Tech Hokies, and uh, Wizards, uh, Nationals slash Orioles, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> those are pretty much my my teams. Um, did you just but, say my uh, teams yeah. are the Carolina Panthers? Yeah, how did you get that? Wrong? How did you get that I, so wrong? I, I oh, will that say was, I was having was a harder time with this than already. I would have thought. Yeah, yeah I think I feel like it was because I was so serious when I said it that like you it literally caught you guys off guard. But no, the Panthers are probably my least favorite team in history of sports, Fair outside enough. of like Fair you know enough. a couple a couple organizations like the Yankees and, and whatnot. But um, but yeah, those are my teams and, and really excited to be back doing this with you guys. Hopefully we can do this as consistently as we used to. But um, I, I know with some of our new ideas and innovations, I, I feel like we're, uh, we're going to be just fine. Yeah, I guess I should introduce myself too. I didn't even think to do that since we are starting this anew on YouTube. Um, my name is Sai Kunamnani. You probably won't know how to say my last name. and That is perfectly fine. My teams are very random. Um, <laughs> first of all, go Gamecocks, University of South Carolina, represent. Um, we got the Indianapolis Colts, which you'll see some bias today in that. Um, we got some New York Mets up in here. We got Kyrie Irving. <laughs> no, no NBA. <laughs> just the Kyrie no Irving. team, just that wherever is. Kyrie is. Wherever he is, that's where I follow. Um, I, think, I think those are the big three for right now. I don't need to delve into all my little nuances. Um, but I know the other thing you'll notice is on this – I guess I can't really call it a podcast anymore. But on this channel, you'll notice we all have little – quirky tastes in sports as well like Ab's got a little bit of like UFC in them and so does Zach exactly. I got a little yeah I got a little WWE in me you know we might even talk a little tennis you got no idea what's gonna come <laughs> up but for today and for the foreseeable future while we still don't have any sports on our idea what's to go with top 10 lists um we want to bring content to you guys and you know do a little debating see what your thoughts are maybe get some comments from you guys on what you think of our lists and how you would change them um and we just figured we'll, we'll kickstart it that way. And, you know, eventually once we get sports back, then we can talk a little bit more about what's going on right now. But um, for today, we're going to bring you the top 10 teams 
in the NFL, or at least in our opinion, coming into the season based off what they've done so far. Obviously, the draft doesn't happen yet, so this will be something that comes up again before the season starts, whenever that may be. Um, but in the meanwhile, I figure we'll just we'll get started with that. And I'm thinking the best way to approach this is we'll start with team number 10 for each of us, talk about it a little bit, move on, go to team number nine for each of us, and we'll just follow that format. And uh, thinking maybe we'll just kick it off with Mr. Uh, Julio Jones over there and yeah. who you got, Zach? Well, who's number 10 for you? Sounds good, guys. So let me uh, grab my list here, which is on my phone. <laughs> You know, I'm not even sure if I can get out of this one. Hang on. You couldn't even remember number 10? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly, you can tell we're very professional here. All right. So my 10th is – I memorized, like, my 10 through uh, 7 there. So right, my 10th, my 10th, I'm starting with the Buffalo Bills. I think okay. they're a top 10 team this year. Now, I have them beating out the Packers. Now, normally, I, I usually have the Packers in my top 10. I mean, year over year, just given the dominance of, you know, I guess a couple of years now um, of when they were, they were super solid. They obviously had a great record this last year, but obviously weren't that great of a team. So I bumped them out, bumped the Bills in. I think the acquisition with Stephon Diggs, at wide receiver, I think they built their defense up even more. And I feel like they made a lot of uh, – really good uh, free agency moves for not very expensive, um, you know, in, in, in terms of like Josh Norman and some of the other guys that they pulled in on the defensive, uh, the, de the defensive side of things just to solidify that unit. So I think Josh Allen takes a big step. I think the Bills did exactly what they needed to do in, in terms of getting that wide receiver one for them. I know they had always kind of gone with some speedsters that were, were kind of no names. I mean, you know, we're talking wide receivers that hadn't surpassed 600, 700 yards in receiving during an entire season. I think bringing Stephon Diggs in will certainly change that. So I got Bills at the 10th best team in the NFL this year. Definitely a playoff team again. Okay. Okay. I will say the Bills did not make my top 10, but I did have a note saying that they were about as close as any team got to my top 10. They were just missed the cut. And uh, I certainly agree with you on a lot of the points that you made. Not really big on the Josh Norman signing, but I do think the Stephon Diggs trade was really good. Um, kind of crazy to see how much value the Vikings got back on that trade versus like some of the other trades we've seen this offseason for things like Nuke and things like that. But um, that was a pretty good trade for the, the Bills. And um, obviously, it's going to rely a lot on what Josh Allen does, like you said. So I, I, I can agree with that. I can definitely see why you have him at 10. So you won't get a lot of disputes from me on that end. Ed, who you got at 10? I got, I'm very excited about this. I don't know if you guys are going to sneak them into your top 10 based on the biggest headline in, uh, in the sports world over the last few months, but I got TB12, TB by TB, the Bucks sneaking in at number 10. Um, I just, I mean, I think they made a lot of strides last year with the defense. The defense became good if, you know, decent maybe, um, mm -hmm. which is really all they needed. I mean, the receivers just being so explosive, I mean, with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Um, good tight ends, um, decent running game. I actually really like Ronald Jones. I think he has a good year. Um, and obviously, I mean, I think their biggest thing last year was as good as Jameis was throwing the ball downfield, which is maybe the one issue they might have with Brady and see if the arm strength is there. But the turnovers are just insane. I mean, I, I don't think I've ever seen someone turn the ball over at such an insane clip. Uh, so obviously, you improve on that with Brady. Um, 
which I think in that sense gives them a huge upgrade. If he can just push the ball downfield enough with what he has left in his arm, I think it's a big upgrade there. Um, and I think they, they push for a playoff spot um, this year and they sneak in at number 10. Hey, okay. watch out, man. Uh, you got LASIK surgery, though. You got to watch out for that. The 30 for 30 was simply because he hadn't gotten his he got he hadn't gotten his eyes checked in a long time. He's got LASIK oh. surgery. Jameis is coming back better than ever. He's going to take Tom Brady's job. These are all the conspiracy theories I have cooking up. He's right not now. even on the Buccaneers right now. He's a free agent. They're going to re-sign his ass. <laughs> okay. All right, well, let me let me say this: the Buccaneers. I'm gonna hold off on. I'm gonna hold off on because I got some things to say about him a little bit later. But you did set me up perfectly talking about TB because actually sneaking at my number 10 spot is the New England Patriots. And I'm not going to sit here and give some massive breakdown of why I think that is. I'm just going to say one name, Bill Belichick. I've always said, regardless of who they've had or what they put together, that man has always managed to win. That's what he's been doing for the better part of two decades now. Even when Brady was hurt or before Brady was even there when they had Bledsoe, when he goes down and they have a season with Matt Castle playing the whole year or the year where Brady isn't playing for the first four games because of the suspension, they win with Brissett and Garoppolo. Bill Belichick knows how to win. He will go down as one of the winningest head coaches of all time. And in my opinion, one of the greatest um, that I've ever seen. So I think he'll figure out a way to win with what he has. The defense is still going to be good. They got a solid run game with the guys, the guys that they have with, you know, between Michelle and James White and all of them. I think Michelle will bounce back. And I also think that um, the receiving core needs improvements, but he'll figure it out through the draft. So I'm going to put the Patriots at 10 just because I can't really bet against Bill Belichick to be a, you know, to not finish up in the top 10 of a, of a power ranking. So um, that's who I got at 10. Um, I don't, if you guys have any thoughts, I don't know if you guys yeah. have a paper or some. I've got to contest. I've got to contest that. So okay. you're talking about a team with a pretty solid defense, obviously uh, from a corner standpoint, they have one of the best, your own, you know, a, a game cock and, and Gilmore. But um, in terms of the offensive side of things, you're dealing with, receivers that are a little washed up a little aged right i mean with exception Nikhil harry who can certainly bring talent this year we'll see what he does obviously we saw what he did at arizona state he was phenomenal but um there's such a big question mark at quarterback why do you feel so confident putting them in uh, in the top 10 um so, when they haven't really proven that i guess since castle back in like well, 2010 or 11. They proved it a little bit with uh, randomly throwing in Garoppolo and uh, um, Brissett in, the, in one of the seasons as well. And that's not to say Garoppolo and Brissett aren't great players. That's to say that they were they have a system in which it feels like they can take anyone, put it into that system, and win. Now, I'm not saying everybody's Tom Brady. Not everybody's going to go win him a championship. I'm not saying they're going to compete for a championship right now. All I'm saying is I still think they're good enough to win their division right now. I still think they're good enough to beat the Bills with whoever they decide to go with that quarterback. And this is purely like every other team I have on my top 10, I will have more concrete, like point to specific things. But right now the Patriots are top 10 for me purely because of Bill Belichick straight up. Like I, I will not bet against that man to not finish top 10 um, until he proves otherwise. And he has never ever proved otherwise. So we'll see if this is the season, but I can see them winning with whoever they have at the quarterback position, whether that's Stidham, whether they draft somebody or whether they sign um, you know, Jameis or trade for Cam. I, maybe they'll trade for Cam. Who knows? Regardless of what they do, I see them adding to the receiving core. I see them solidifying the quarterback position, and they're pretty solid on the defensive front and in the and the backfield on defense. And they have a good line, so I'm not betting against them right now. You're yep. saying they're going to add to their receiving core from now forward? You mean I guess through the draft? You're saying? Yeah, through the draft. This draft is, and I'll talk about this a lot more yeah, with teams that I mentioned later. But 
this this draft, every team could potentially get a starting receiver in the in the NFL. It seems like there's so many good ones. Yeah. So we can talk about that more going forward. But let's move on to number nine, Zach. You uh you got your number nine? Yeah. So my number nine is the Atlanta Falcons. Now get out. Get the, out. The Falcons. So the the reason why I'm putting them at nine is because I truly think that they're going to be the ninth best football team in the in the league. However, I think they're going to slide in with that final wild card spot at seven. So, um, you know, obviously with the exciting news, I'm not sure how you guys feel about it. What with the NFL extending another playoff team um, to bring the total count to 14? I think previously it was 12. But um, but I feel like just just that one team is so crucial for teams like the Falcons, who are usually in a a more difficult, um, you know, uh, division, especially now with Tom Brady coming to Tampa Bay. And so I think that the the Falcons will still finish third in that division but I, I think because of how challenging and how competitive that division is I think they're still good enough to slide in into a playoffs a playoff seed so you know normally you know they would probably be ranked based on what I'm saying like right around the 13 or 14 best team but I truly think because of the how difficult their division will be this season they truly are like the ninth best team. Now, don't ask me about their defense. I'm praying that Dan Quinn gets it done. I know we got Dante Fowler in the offseason from Los Angeles, but I don't know if that's going to do anything to help here. But I do know on the offensive side of things, going out getting Gurley, obviously Gurley has torn it up before. Two years ago, he was considered the best in, the best NFL running back in the league. And, you know, obviously with the uh, – with the knee injury, uh, there's been quite a uh, quite a bit of friends that have been making fun of me, saying I should be changing the name from the Atlanta Falcons to Atlanta Arth- Arthritis. But um, I have confidence in him. I think Matt Ryan, Todd Gurley, and Julio Jones makes up one of the fearsome three in the league. I would challenge anybody to come up with a better three than that. I don't think there is one. And so just purely from the offensive juggernaut, I think that the Falcons will be able to carry home about 10 to 11 wins this season. Can I address that real quick? Yeah, Can sure. I address that real quick? Okay, so let me – And but I also think it's only totally fair to let you explain why because you are right. The playoff thing is expanded. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like the Falcons weren't a great team a few years ago when they made the Super Bowl even though it didn't end, result the way that it did. They do have a lot of pieces returning. The one thing that doesn't give me a lot of confidence in them is – they didn't show me a lot last year for me to feel like I should feel confident in them being better this year because, one, their defense was pretty darn bad overall. I mean, there's no disputing that. Even with Vic Beasley and the guys that you have, um, in terms of names, they were bad. Who knows? Maybe getting some guys back from injury will help a little bit. And obviously, adding Fowler was a great addition. So I won't take that away from them. The thing is, though, it doesn't really feel like they improved a lot from last year because if you said Matt Ryan, Ty Gurley, and Julio Jones with all three of them healthy playing at their best was the best trio in the NFL, I might not be able to dispute that. But if you tell me Matt Ryan with the Todd Gurley where he couldn't even handle 50% of the snaps he handled two years ago last year, we don't know if his knee is healthy. We don't know what he's going to be capable of. Is that version of Todd Gurley better than Devonta Freeman? I don't think so. I don't feel that way. I don't really think you upgraded much at the running back position. And if Gurley's hurt and he doesn't play, if anything, you decline at the running back position because if he isn't able to handle the carries that he's handling, I don't even know who you're throwing out there. Um, and then my other point being, you guys were 7-9 and nine last year. And one of your best players when Julio Jones wasn't scoring touchdowns for you was Austin Hooper. That man was awesome for you guys. He had a chemistry with Matt Ryan that was exceptional last year, and he really showed up for you guys on the offensive front and really kept you guys in games that weren't weren't very close games. And he's gone. He's not there anymore. So you're going to have to replace that. Um, hopefully this means that 
you know, Ridley st- takes another step forward and hopefully Gurley is healthy. If Gurley's totally healthy, I'll agree with you that the Falcons can sneak into the, sneak into the top 10 because that man is exceptional when he's healthy. But at the end of the day, with, the, without, with my lack of trust in your defense and the fact that Gurley's knee is healthy, that's what makes it really hard for me to put him top 10. But like you said, they could be the seventh team. I'm not going to, you know, if Gurley's healthy, I'm not going to push that away. I just, it's hard for me to put him top 10 for those reasons. Yeah, and I guess just to discount that, um, I understand what you're saying. But if you look at the Falcons' first portion of their season, right? So if we're talking the first eight games of their season, they were abysmal. I think they were one in seven after the first eight games of the season. But like you said, we finished seven and nine. So we went, you know, six and two in that period of time towards the end of the season, defeating teams like the 49ers last year, which went to the Super Bowl. So, you know, obviously we and the played Saints. very competitively. Yep, you're right. You, yeah. you did play well at the end of the season. I won't take that away from that's true. Right. True. We played very competitively. And we also, you're exactly right. We have guys like Calvin Ridley that we drafted in the first round that are obviously going to have to take these big step roles moving into this next year where they are kind of treated as like, that in, in the prime of their career, looking like a veteran, right, going into his third season. And think, speaking of first-rounders, we're going to have Julio Jones, a first-rounder, on one side. We're going to have Calvin Ridley, a, a first-rounder, on, on the other side. And we're going to have another first-rounder in Laquan Treadwell, who's going to be stepping into that slot role. And I feel like he's an upgrade to Mohamed Sanu, who could who could do really, really well. Obviously, didn't have the best ah. opportunities in Minnesota. Oh. But don't cut him out. He's, a, he's an SEC guy. Just like just like Calvin and just like Julio, and he has potential, who knows what could happen. I definitely don't think he's going to be better than Sanu. And if you have anything else you want to add on, please, by all means, go ahead. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sold on Treadwell by any means. Uh, overall, I think I just agree with that. I think there's too many question marks. I don't think Gurley's a huge upgrade because I don't think he's 100% of what he was. Um, losing Hooper is huge. I mean, Hayden Hurst, come on. Um, yeah. And yeah, Hayden could be good. That's, I, that's not just my game card bias. Yeah. He could be good. Like he got drafted in the first round for could a reason. He, just, he didn't really get his chance last year because Mark Andrews was so damn good that he never really got to play. My main problem with them is their coaching. Like, forget everything else. Like, it like the two years ago when they had Shanahan, or a few years back, I don't know if it was two years ago when they had Shanahan, they were absolutely killing it with the same people that they have now. It's the problem is regardless of who they have, it's like who they have. Like you know, in terms of pieces, they uh, Dan Quinn had, had had really destroyed them. So. Hopefully things change in that respect. That's what I don't have a lot of confidence. Because even Gurley, who with all his talent, was amazing when McVay was coaching him the right way and giving him the opportunity to to score with the with an offense alongside. But again, if Gurley's healthy with guys like Julio and Ridley, of course he could have a great season. So jury's yeah, still out on that true. one. But I can I can definitely understand why you, you could make a case for them. I'm not gonna sit here and pretend like you can't throw that out there. So that's totally fair. Um, Ab, who you got at nine? Yeah, I got uh, I got Bills at nine. Um, big fan of what the Bills put together. I won't go into too much detail. I think Zach covered it off when he talked about his number 10, but I, I just love what they built last year. Uh, I like Josh Allen. You know, we'll see how much better he gets, but uh, I mean, I just love what they built. I think the Norman signing that we didn't mention is interesting because uh, of how, like, just the Redskins just totally misused him, and I'm not saying that that means that he's, you know, going to be what he was or anything close to that. Uh, we don't know, but I do think he stands a good chance to get back to uh, closer to his original form, just because of how horribly um, and out of uh, not you know not necessarily out of well, out of position in a way, yeah, and just schematically how they didn't use him correctly. So I've got Bills at nine. Um, I don't again don't want to go into too much detail, but uh, I think the Diggs signing obviously is big. So I think that's a, a good a good yeah. solid team there. Can't can't dispute that. I think we're all on agree, agreeing that uh, in the bottom half of the top ten, the Bills belong. 
given what they did last year, or at least close. I have them at like 11 if we were extending the list. Um, again, I think it just like uh, hinges on what Josh Allen does this year. Um, he's basically going to make or break how well that team does, in my opinion. Um, my number nine, um, even though I wanted to have him higher, I don't feel a ton of confidence. I'll explain to you why, but my number nine team is the Tennessee Titans in my AFC South along with my Colts. Um, part of me wants to, wanted to put them higher. I kept going back and forth on if I would have them winning the division or if I'd have my Colts winning the division. I do not have the Texans in my top 10. They're just spoiler alert. The, that nuke trade completely kicks them out. So basically those two were the teams that I was kind of going back and forth on. And for a second, I did consider the Titans. But my big qualm with them is last year, here's the thing. They kind of feel like they got some vibes similar to the Jacksonville Jaguars that you know, took the Patriots to the end of the like end of the wire in the AFC Championship a few years back. In that they had a quarterback that played above his potential, in my opinion. They had an amazing run game, but the guy who carried the ball way too much. And they had a great offensive line, but an offensive line that has gotten a little bit worse. And their defense is still going to be great. I'm not going to take anything away from their defense. My main qualm is, and the reason that I don't have them higher is because Conklin, one of the best offensive linemen in the entire NFL, is gone. He's no longer there for run protection. He's one of the best run blockers in the, in the NFL. Derrick Henry last year had 303 carries, if you count the regular season, the playoffs. I don't care how big and strong you are, there's a very likely possibility that either you set yourself up for injury or fatigue long-term for you to continue to put up that rate of success with, with the running game. And the other th- qualm I have is Ryan Tannehill played half a season last year and played an amazing half of the season. He completely outplayed Marcus Mariota and anything he's ever done with the Titans. But I have a hard time believing that that's a guy you want to invest $25 million a year in for several years based on half the season and based on what he did in Miami. And I have a hard time believing that last year is going to be his norm versus being an outlier. You know what I mean? Like I, I could very, like a very strongly see a case Ryan Tannehill regressing um, and the Titans, you know, not having as good of a run game. And all of a sudden you're in a position where your offense isn't as good, but you still have a great defense, which is why I have a hard time putting him a little bit higher because I don't think they're necessarily as well-rounded as some other teams. I, I feel like their run game and their defense is was what carried them, and that's a great foundation. But I don't know if that foundation is going to exist on the offensive side this year. So I have them at nine for that reason. Hmm. Yeah. I think it makes they a good point. Yeah. They might come up for you guys later so we can talk about it further. Because um, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing they're in the list. So that, that will address those points forward. Otherwise, we're going to keep stopping at each one. So I'm thinking uh, yeah. we'll keep it going. Uh, Zebo, what's eight for you? Full guys. So eight for me is the Indianapolis Colts. And I think I think the Colts make a big jump. I actually think I have them not winning the division, but I have them um, certainly in a wild card spot making the playoffs this year, which is a great jump for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, much to just the way that they're they operate like a lean oiled machine. And I, I just, you have, you got to, you know, you just have to give credit to, you know, the general manager, obviously the coach, but pulling in Philip Rivers on side, it's a one-year deal, right? Yeah. Yep. One-year deal. You're able to make these financial decisions because you are so, um, you are so lean in every other facet of the position in football. So for example, their defense, they have, you know, their linebacker core, is super young their secondary is super young all these kids out of ohio state and all these different all these different organizations where they're going to put on their their they're just great draft picks and then from the offensive standpoint you have a lot of um a lot of just young talent in the backfield 
a lot of young talent at wide receiver. And so you're able to pull on that old veteran that has shown tremendous success in, in San Diego and, and Los Angeles and the Chargers for years and years. So you know that reliability is there. I feel like Phillip Rivers is now that final piece to finally push the Colts in the right direction in terms of receiving a playoff spot. I also think they're playing in a position where you have two very easy wins against the Jacksonville Jaguars who are going to be obsolete this year. I also think you have two possible wins against a Texans team that is aging on defense um, with Jonathan Joseph. And I know J.J. Watts, you know, probably their only healthy, reliable guy at this point. Their linebacking, their linebacker core is laughable. And on the offensive side, you lose DeAndre Hopkins and then you trade away a second pick, a second round pick to get Brandon Cooks. That doesn't really make a lot of decision or make a lot of sense to me. I mean, hopefully David Johnson is able to bounce back in the way that we know he can play, but I'm not really buying it. I think the Colts and the Titans are going to run that division for years to come. So I have the Colts in the wild card spot and the eighth best team in the league. Yep. I mean, I'll talk about my Colts a little bit later on, so I'm not going to add on Zach. I appreciate you uh, giving us some confidence this year. It means a lot. Ev, Please, please put a comment because you seem to have some sort of reaction to it. So I'm, I'm curious to see what you think. Yeah, I, I just don't buy the whole Philip Rivers train. I think Philip Rivers is completely cooked at this point. I mean, and he's like the weapons there. I mean, obviously we have the draft coming up, so like that can change quickly, especially like you talked about side with the receiving options in the draft. But I think he's done, man. I just, I mean, with all he had in Sandy, I mean, I guess, I guess all they had was the receivers. I guess the rest of the offense wasn't uh, well, and the running backs, but uh, the line wasn't helping him do him any favors. But uh, I just think Rivers is cooked. Um, I don't buy the weapons on offense unless something changes. Uh, the rest of the team pretty pretty well rounded, but uh, but I, you made some good points. I think that's a fair um, fair to have them in that range. But that's fair. I'll give you my counter argument a little bit yeah. later because I, I got I got you know I'm gonna address them on the list a little bit later on. At who you got? Yep. Yeah. I got uh, eight, eight for me is Patriots. I think with everything you mentioned, Cy, like I don't, I don't think there's any way you can keep him like out that. of this list. Um, and I mean, the buzz on Stidham from, uh, I mean, granted, it's, I think it's from, from people inside the team, but like the buzz on Stidham is good. They seem to really like him. Um, I think that's the guy they roll with unless they go get Tua, which would really shake things up. Um, but uh, I mean, if they go get Tua, then you you're talking about top five again? I don't know. But uh, I yeah. think they roll with Stidham. I think they, they seem to like him for, you know, and they would know more than I think most of us just because, you know, they see him in practice and the fact that he gets to learn from from the GOAT can't hurt. Um, and obviously Belichick, I mean, you just can't, you know, I don't think they can be left out of the top 10 by any means. So, yeah, I would absolutely hate it if they got Tua because then they'd be amazing again because I have to absolute faith in Tua assuming he, he is healthy. So, I, I but I don't see that happening because, I think she was going top 10 to top 12, and I don't know how the Patriots sneak up there without trading a lot away. Um, but, yes, I agree with you, obviously, because I'm a 10. What's really funny, though, Ev, is we seem to keep having some sort of interesting uh, similarities in our list in that my number eight spot is the Buccaneers. So we basically traded those two. Um, I got the Bucs uh-huh. at eight. Um, I know that's a little bit of a jump. I'm not the – you guys know I don't love Tom Brady, but I obviously respect him as one of the greatest we've ever seen. And, you know, even though I think he's had a lot of success – with help from people like Belichick and the, the foundation that they established for him, I still think he's capable of being successful. Um, I'd probably argue them being a little bit higher. Brady was still somewhat in his prime. I actually think Brady's not going to be that much better than league average next year because he wasn't that much better than league average last year. Um, what I really think, <clears throat> though, is them cutting down on turnovers and having a receiving core. And this is the reason I have him at eight, truly. They have Tom Brady, who knows how to, who knows how to get the ball to the right people. 
and he know he's smart enough to make adjustments at the line, things that Jameis Winston couldn't do, and he's not going to turn the ball over, right? The counter to that is that Jameis Winston can throw the ball down the field a hell of a lot better than Tom Brady can at this point in their careers because Jameis has a cannon and Tom Brady last year, the more I watched him, the more I realized the age is catching up in terms of his ability to deliver the ball down the field. Um, but with all that being said, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, O.J. Howard, that is a loaded top three for Brady to have. Um, I just don't have a ton of faith in their run game. Their defense has improved, which makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but I don't think their defense is going to be like top tier or anything like that. I think it's just going to be like league average at best. It might be below average. So really my, my whole point in them being top eight is the fact that I think that with Brady and those three guys, they're going to beat a lot of bad teams and lose to the good ones or lose to the best ones. That's basically what I think. Cause I think the saints have the advantage on them in that division. So I think the saints will get wins. I could see the Falcons taking maybe one game away from the Buccaneers. Um, and that alone is three losses in the division alone. So that's why I can't really have them higher than that, but I'm just putting faith in faith in those, uh, those that uh, offensive punch that they have. So I got them at eight and uh, obviously, you know, as made his points about them, Zach, I don't, do you have them in your top 10 or maybe, maybe you want to hold off on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll hold off. We'll, we'll um, get a little this, this is some confidential information, Cy. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show you my cards just yet. Hey, quick plug. Do you guys see the story about uh, um, Ty Law coming out um, saying like when they're at the Pro Bowl, Peyton Manning was trying to get him drunk off, uh, was getting trying to get him drunk so that he could get him to give more information about what like the Patriots were doing back when they were playing each other. And, his, and the quote, Peyton Manning is a legend. And, and the quote ends with, damn, my ties. <laughs> He's trying to get him drunk on my ties in Hawaii to get him to give up information. Oh, Peyton. I love Peyton, man. I miss him. Um, oh, anyway, let's let's move on. Otherwise, yeah, I exactly. know I got seven all day. What's yeah, seven? So, seven, so seven for me is the is the Titans. So I have the Titans and Colts. You know, it's going to be really close. I can see both those teams being 11 and 5 at the end of the year. And it's just a matter of who gets the who gets the top. Uh, position in, in the AFC South. Um, and I think everything's been pretty much covered by the, by the Titans. I think the only thing that I would bring up in counter side is actually, um, I think Ryan Tannehill is actually a great fit for that offense because of exactly what you were saying earlier and how frequently they run the ball. I mean, they're giving Derrick Henry the, the ball 25 to 30 something times a game. And the reason why I like Tannehill is he reminds me of Matt Ryan in a way where he's able to execute the play action better than any other quarterback in the league. And I think I think with a strong run game and a consistent run game that Derrick Henry will bring to to every single game this this season, I think Ryan Tannehill won't have to feel the burden that he felt in Miami to make plays and force throws. I think throws will come more naturally. I also think with the receiving core in a improved Corey Davis and an AJ Brown, who's very interesting. Um, I wouldn't shy away from those wide receivers taking big strides in their, in their next couple years. And so I think Ryan Tannehill has a lot of talent. I think he's got a defense that will make stops and give him the ball and uh, in very good uh, field position. So I think I just I think that they're setting themselves up for another successful year under Mike Vrabel. So uh, mm-hmm. Titans at six for me. That's fine. I, I can't dispute that at all. A seven for you, right? No, yeah. Seven. Oh, 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 sorry. Yeah, seven. Seven for you. All right. What about you, Ev? I'll make sure we're in the right order. Um, I will. I will withhold comment, which uh, shed some light on on my rankings. But um, so I'll jump into number seven on my end, which is um, 
I guess this is kind of the part of my list where I grudgingly put some teams in that I don't necessarily love, but I just think their longevity um, and, and, you know, history over the last, you know, decade or so, it's just been too strong. Um, and this one's Seattle. Um, I just think what they've done over, you know, obviously longevity wise over the last 10 years and even in the last couple of years, I just don't have a reason to not put them in my top 10. Um I think there's a chance they get Clowney back on a pretty team-friendly deal, given how long he's been sitting out there, which would be another nice um, nice pickup. I mean, they got Dunbar from basically nothing to upgrade the secondary from uh, the Redskins, mm-hmm. depending on how That's you true. feel about him. But some rankings had him as one of the one of the top corners in the game, which is, I think, nonsense. But um, uh, but I do think he's still a really good corner. Um, and I just, I mean, I don't have a reason to not have him there. I think, I mean, Russell Wilson's obviously elite, so um, to bet against him, I don't think is. Uh, is smart. So maybe not quite as high as some other people might have them, but uh, still in the top 10 there at number seven. Okay, cool. And, uh, and I, I, I'll talk about that myself too in a little bit, but for number seven for me is my Colts. Um, pretty similar to Zach's list. I think basically we have the Titans and the Colts uh, flip-flop. That's basically the only difference. Um, Ev, now I'll address some of the points you are making earlier. Forget about Philip Rivers, Philip Rivers for a second. I want to just talk about the foundation that's been created because Ballard I can't be more thankful for the GM that we have because he has put together a foundation that it seems like no matter what direction we go in, it's laid where if we're healthy, we can win games. Um, I'll give you an example. Last year, first um, eight weeks of the season, we had one bye week, so we played seven games. We started off the season five and two before our team was absolutely dismantled. Um, <laughs> hey, Katie. It looks like looks like we got someone jumping in on the podcast. We'll talk about <laughs> talk about. <laughs> <laughs> I looked at I looked at her away. <laughs> of course, of course. I heard a wearing, noise, and I was like, oh. "Of course, she's wearing a Clemson sweatshirt while I'm hearing my Gamecocks hat." Just to add oh, a little it's crazy. insult. I know. She's she's Five trying to hours. she's trying to get the work in ping pong by that, but th- this is obviously priority here. No, no sir, no sir. You, you give her that work for me a little bit later, and uh, <laughs> be sure to yell "Go Gamecocks!" afterwards. Um. Anyway, picking back up where I left off, the big thing is foundation because if you think about the start of last season, we started off the season five and two, right? Five and two with Brissett as our starter. So I'm not even talking about Phil Rivers. I, I, even if we had Jacoby Brissett right now, I don't think my ranking would change very much as far as where I have my Colts because the foundation of our offense is our offensive line. And we have proven that with one of the best offensive lines in, in the game, you can get over a lot of other things because we can run the ball down people's throats with Marlon Mack. And we have an offensive coordinator in Frank Reich that knows how to use the pieces that he has and, and a head coach in Frank Reich that knows how to use the pieces that he has. And for, for your context, they were five and two. And – they had a win against Kansas City in Kansas City and Houston in Houston in those seven weeks with our Colts team and held Kansas City under, I think it was like 14 to 17 points and held Houston under 20 points. So cl- clearly we've laid a foundation in that way. And here's some notable names that uh, we lost last year. We lost T.Y. T- Hilton for s- several games last year. We lost Darius Leonard for several games last year. We lost Marlon Mack for several games last year. We had Jacoby Brissett get hurt in the middle of the season. And he was never the same after he came back. We lost Devin Funches before he ever even truly played a game for us. We lost Malik Hooker. Well, you're talking about pieces, so I got to throw in Funches because he was our second receiver. We lost Malik Hooker, who was our who was our one of our best players. We literally lost you, you name one of our best players, we lost him. We come back, we had DeForest Buckner from the San Francisco 49ers, who's 25 Huge years old, 26 years old, one of the a top five defensive linemen in the NFL. We add him to our our, our defensive line. And a look and a move that people are everywhere everywhere a little overlooking is Xavier Rhodes in our secondary, man. That was a huge addition to beef up our secondary. Now, if you look at our team, our offensive line, our run game, on our defense, the defensive line, 
our linebackers with Leonard and young people leading the crew and our secondary with Rocky Sin and uh, Xavier Rhodes and Kenny Moore, who might be the best slot corner in the league. And nobody's even talking about him because people don't pay attention. We put together one of the most solid defenses on paper and a bunch of young, fast, quick guys that can keep up with anybody. You lay the foundation with that. Then you look at offense and you're talking about Philip Rivers, Evan. He doesn't have the pieces right now that he had in, uh, in San Diego in terms of receivers. I won't dispute that. But San Diego, even with Eckler and the guys that they had, did not have the run game backed up with that offensive line that he will now have with the Colts. Because I can't remember the last time Phil Rivers was given an offensive line in San Diego. We don't need Phil Rivers to be what he was several years ago where he was throwing, you know, 30 to 35 to 40 touchdowns in order for us to win games. All we need Phil Rivers to do is be average at best, and we can still win every game that we play with our line and our defense playing the way that they do, and with us adding a receiver, because our only true weakness in our entire team right now is our wide receiving core, because T.Y. Hilton is our foundation, and we need to add pieces, but clearly Chris Ballard has a plan, because he beefed up every other weakness that we had, which was our defensive line and our secondary, so that in the draft, he could address the best position in the entire draft, the receivers, and if we don't walk out of there with at least two or three receivers, I would be shocked, so I think we've laid a foundation for winning our division this year and for winning our team long-term because Rivers is only a one-year acquisition and we're going to try to draft for the future anyway. So we'll probably try to get a quarterback in this draft or sign one in the future. So I'm pretty happy with them at seven. Um, and that's that's kind of my point on why I think that they will be good. And honestly, it was hard for me not to put them at six, but I'll tell you about six in a second. Zach, you want to kick us off at six? Yeah, and, and just before jumping in, Cy, realistically um... – where what type of receiver would you want the Colts to draft in the first round, given the top tier talent, the extraordinary talent at receiver coming into the well, 2020 NFL draft? We won't have a first round pick because we traded it for DeForest Buckner, which is, I think, a great mm, trade for gotcha. us because we, we got a short thing and we had a ton of cap. We had the most cap space in the NFL available and yet already had a really solid team, which is why I love Ballard because he built our team with a bunch of picks. So we traded for Buckner, gave him our first round pick, but we have two second round picks this year. Um, and we have one early in the second round. So my hope is we get one of the taller, like taller guys in the draft. We don't need a speedster because we have Paris Campbell coming back from injury this season. And Paris, I think has the potential to be a really solid slot receiver for us. We've seen what he did in, in college with his speed. So he'll be perfect for us in the slot. And obviously T.Y. Hilton, who is probably arguably the most underrated receiver in the NFL because year in and year out, he's so solid no matter who's playing quarterback. He comes out there and delivers, but, you know, people overlook him for his height. He can stretch the field with the speed and his route running ability uh, down the field. We just need one guy that's going to be a big, tall, end zone, you know, jump up and strip the ball away from someone kind of presence, and that's what I want us to go after. And there's plenty of those guys in this draft, so I'm, I'm excited about the potential to, uh, to add that. And I'm sure we'll add several receivers because, like I said, there's so many in this draft, and you can get – you can get a starter in round four or five, it seems like, this year and with the receivers because there's just so many. So um, that's kind of my thought. I just want a big, tall, athletic guy because everything else we got already. So, yeah. Cool, man. Yeah, and uh, and for six for me, it's it's Tampa Bay. So, you know, obviously uh, obviously, I think I think they're going to make an incredible leap with, with Brady at, at the helm. And the reason I think there's going to be such a drastic increase in their performance is – Bruce Arians getting his type of guys kind of fully inheriting hit or, or, um, or, you know, moving forward with the system that he wants to implement. I feel like he now has like the right puzzle pieces and he now, this is kind of his year to show 
the entire league that, you know, he's back just like he, you know, the organization um, and, the, and the success of the Arizona Cardinals years back when he was was coaching. I, I think he's trying to implement the same thing and even supersede that in Tampa Bay. So um, not only do I trust in him, but I also trust in in braiding his delivery and getting the ball to, you know, phenoms and Chris Godwin and Mike Evans and and the rest of those guys like Syed alluded to beforehand. Mm-hmm. And I think I think another reason why they're going to be really good is Jameis has more arm strength. I won't deny that either. But I think that Tom Brady has an an uncanny ability in getting people to football from 10 to 20 yards. And I think that Chris Godwin is a great route runner. Mike Evans is obviously a great deep threat, but he's a phenomenal route runner too. And I feel like that's what he specializes in. And I also think you guys, you have guys like OJ Howard who are, who are quick enough to get past the linebacker and, and go, you know, on like a deep seam route or something like that, where Brady could hit him just like he hit Gronk all those years. So I think you're going to see a different style Tampa Bay offense that isn't like Mike Evans, 60, 70 yard touchdown every once in a while, but you're going to see, long, consistent drives that beat defenses down over time. And I think you're just going to see consistent success from this Tampa Bay offense. So um, so I got Tampa Bay at six. And uh, and I guess that's – we've talked about Tampa Bay a good amount. So, Ev, what about yeah, you? Who's, who's in six? I've got six. I've got uh, Green Bay here. Um, mm. I bumped them down a little bit from where they finished last year just because it almost – I mean, the whole – year it almost kind of seemed like not a fluke because I think they played really well all year but I don't even when it came down to the end they were in the NFC championship I don't really know if anyone by thought that they could beat San Francisco and ended up getting mm-hmm. smacked um so for that reason I bumped him down a little bit but with that said I mean year two of Matt LaFleur um with him and Aaron Rodgers I think it only gets better uh, um you know I think you got some good pieces coming back I mean Aaron Jones is obviously a stud really broke out last year um mm-hmm. and, and I don't think it's fair to bump him down too far um, so I think they, they still have a really good team and um, will obviously compete in the NFC. Wow. So I'm going to go, I'm actually going to give you guys six and five right now. So to snake it because you guys have hit some points right. that I want to address. Yeah. Number six is the Seattle Seahawks. Ev was talking about them earlier. Actually, if there's one team in this entire list that I really didn't want to pick at that spot, it was this, it was the Seahawks. Like, I don't necessarily feel confident about the, them being the sixth best team in the league. I also don't really feel confident ever about them, like winning a championship with their current core. The problem is, even though I feel like the majority of their team isn't really, like, you know, great, it's really hard for them to pick against Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll together. I mean, they just have continued to win and win and win and win. And no matter how much I think to myself, like, oh, their receiving core isn't that great. Oh, their running game's, like, decent but not amazing. You know, Chris Carson with his fumbles and everything. Oh, their offensive line's eh. Oh, their defense has struggled over the last couple of years. They just find a way to win games. And it's Russell Wilson playing like an MVP. Like, he's one of those people that I used to sleep on a lot earlier on in his career because I felt like he was just winning because of the pieces that he had around him. But he really evolved into a true team leader and MVP kind of player. So I'm just going to say that. Like, I think, like, they probably will finish top 10, but I don't necessarily feel very confidently about them performing well um, going forward. Um, and then I'm going to jump right into number five because we've got the other NFC team that I've just brought up is the Green Bay Packers. I have them at five. I think they kind of got disrespected last year. I mean, we're talking about a team when their first year with the new head coach after, you know, McCarthy left, they win, what, 13 games? I believe they went 13-3 and three last year and made it to the NFC Championship. And, some, and, like, when you talk about the best teams in the NFL last year, the Packers never even get mentioned. And this is all with, pay, with, this is all with Aaron Rodgers adjusting to a new system. 
this is all with Aaron Jones finally getting the ball the way that he deserved. I, to this day, do not understand what McCarthy was doing because Aaron Jones is a freaking stud. I think everyone and their mother saw that, and yet that man, for some reason, just had him sitting, you know, running half the games as opposed to running the entire time. So Aaron Jones player figured it out. And their defense is solid. Like, they had a really, you know, solid defense from top to bottom last year that was able to keep them in games. I think Rodgers will actually have a better season this year statistically. And my big thing is I think they really only need to address receiver right now. I don't – outside of receiver, I don't see a lot of weaknesses on their team, almost similar to the Colts. They have a good defense. They have a great running game. Their offensive line could maybe get a little bit better, and they just need to give Rodgers a few more pieces because Devontae Adams is exceptional. Um, They signed Devin Funches as a – you know, because they lost guys – um, off their team. So they signed Funches to give him another big guy. They just need a few more guys that can sp- space the field a little bit, and Adams will carry the rest. And I think the Packers could very well finish as a top five team and really make a charge in the NFC this year. So I'm never going to bet on Aaron Rodgers or bet against Aaron Rodgers. That man is that man is one of the best I've ever seen. So um, that's my five. Zach, you can pick up from five or, you know, snake back to Ev, whatever you guys want to do. I kind of want to sneak back to the Packers, and and the reason the reason why I didn't have them on my top ten is I was a little concerned Whoa. with their over their yeah, over shocking to me their over reliance on their running back position. So a lot of their offensive plays stemmed around you know running back screens, and obviously that was why Aaron Jones had this breakout role is because he was getting the ball in an incredible amount, not only on the ground but also through the air, and I think. I think that can only take you so far until teams can actually like build their defensive alignment around that, expecting it, considering the fact that Devontae Adams was their only target last year and he got hurt halfway through the season. And when he came back, I mean, obviously you, you mentioned the 13 and three record, the 12 and four record that they had last year, but what you're not what you're not recognizing and bringing forth is the fact that they played you know, eight to 10 of those games in one position and they just got the luck of the straw, you know, or the luck at the end of the stick there and and were able to sneak out, you know, very, very close victories from one to three points. So I think, I also think that the Packers had a great opportunity in the offseason and go get a guy like A.J. Green, but they weren't willing to meet the demands of the Cincinnati Bengals who are not going to be able to get any salvage value for him when he walks in a year. And so I thought that was pretty disappointing on the general manager side of the Green Bay Packers. They had a lot of opportunity and they kind of let it slip through their fingers. Let me just say two things real quick. One, 13 and three or 12 and four, whatever it was, I'm pretty sure it was 13 and three. Mm-hmm. The fact that they won close games shouldn't be a knock against them. It should be a ta- it should be a clap on the like and a back to for them because they were winning close games. That's not something a lot of teams are capable of doing. I don't care if you win the game by one point or 20 points. If you win the game, you win the game. And clearly, they had the resilience to show up in the fourth quarter and seal the deal and get themselves all the way to the NFC Championship. They had 13 wins last year. Other question for you. If that's your problem with the Packers, if you think they're too reliant on their run game and they have one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, let's not forget about Aaron Rodgers. Why do you? Why are you so high on the Titans? Why do you have the Titans as a top ten team, and yet you don't have the Packers? Because the Titans are the exact same model, except for the fact that their running back is probably the same level as the Packers, if not a little bit better. But their quarterback is nowhere near the level of the Packers' quarterback, and the Packers have the better number one receiver in Adams. They won thirteen games last year without Adams playing the whole season. Think about what they can do with Adams playing the full season, and then also adding another receiver through the draft or other places. I mean, I'm I'm not like. I don't see any reason for them to regress and the Titans to move up the list. That doesn't really make a lot of sense to me. Well, I think it's fair to say that the Packers 
from an offensive efficiency standpoint, did take a step back. You're seeing a guy like Aaron Rodgers who's not throwing the amount of times that he did beforehand. And I know that's because of the emergence of Aaron Jones, but I also I also don't trust Matt LaFleur a lot. I think I think he caters to Aaron Rodgers' demands, every single one of them. I feel like he he's he's uh he doesn't have a lot of experience in that position and you obviously saw that at multiple times during the season last year where there was a lot of locker room issues and I also think that the players of the Tennessee Titans play for a guy in Mike Vrabel who who was very well respected in the NFL community Matt LaFleur is kind of this new guy that just kind of found himself in that position and I also think that the Tennessee Titans have a more swarming defense that turned that that caused and forced more turnovers and they built to it didn't they get Don Terry Poe and Vic Beasley, or did they just get one of those guys? They didn't get Beasley, I don't think. I, I, they might have gotten Poe. But the, but my point is, you keep you, you're talking about LaFleur. We're talking about a guy whose first year won 13 games with a new team. I can't think of any coaches in recent times that in their first year of head coaching won 13, 13 out of 16 games. That I don't care how you do that. That is incredibly impressive. Yeah, because their offensive, in, their offensive output was abysmal. If you look at the Packers... Why does it last matter? Five seasons? Like, I don't understand. Like, if you win 13 games, why does it matter how you do it? I mean, there's plenty of teams that didn't have great offenses that won 13 games, and there's plenty of teams that didn't have great defenses that didn't win 13 games. They also got to the NFC Championship. It's not like they got to the playoffs and lost the first game. They went all the way to the champ- NFC Championship and lost to the team that lost by one possession in the Super Bowl. Like, there is, I can't sit here and knock Lafleur. As a matter of fact, that is one of the greatest performances I've seen from a rookie head coach in in my time, I've never seen anyone come in their first year and win 13 games with a team. I don't care how you do it. You go win games because a lot of coaches need a couple years to adjust. You want to talk about McVay, his first year with the Rams, he won, what, eight games? Brable's first year with the Titans, he won – he didn't even win eight games. He was he was under 500. I, I can't think of any coaches right now who are coaching their first year with a team winning even more than 11 games, much less winning 13 out of 16 and making it to an NFC Championship. I don't think their offense is going to get worse. I think it's going to get better because it's another year under LaFleur and it's another year that they can build upon the pieces that they've already had. The Packers are a team that I felt like were getting really disrespected last year. And I think I can see why maybe you don't think they'll do as well as they did last year, but I can't see how you don't have them in your top 10. Like I, I don't, that, that's pretty shocking to me. I will say. Well, I think there's, I think there's a driver behind and you were the one that mentioned this side, why they were so disrespected and why they were not talked about. I think there is, I think there was a clear delineation in the offensive output that we're normally accustomed to seeing from the Green Bay Packers. And I think it has a lot of credit to do with their, their defense and, and able to ho- kind of hold those one possession games and get the, get the victory for that team. But I mean, I guess Evan, like as like the tiebreaker here, do you, if you if if you were to have watched all of the Green Bay Packer games last season and you were to see them at thirteen and three, would you call that an overrated thirteen and three team, or would you say, eh, you know, they're they're sitting just right? Yeah, no, I, I thought they were a bit overrated in terms of the record, but I mean, to size point, they found out how to win games, um, so that's yeah. why I don't necessarily have a problem with sliding them back a few spots, even to the back half of the top ten. Exactly, but them outside of the top ten is just too harsh. Exactly, um, and I mean. They, 13 and three is, you know, that's it's insane, no, no joke. I mean, that's, you know, that's that does not it's happen. Right good, yeah. That does not happen. With a new head coach, I mean, yeah, that does I mean, not ha- even with the even with a head coach. There's a lot of head coaches in the NFL that have coached for over 10, 10 years and have never had a thirteen and three season. Like, yeah. and not to point to the record, I actually agree with you, Zach and Evan. I think like if you looked at the Packers, like they looked more like a ten to eleven win team last year. 
But regardless, the fact that they were thir- they did win 13 games with 10 to 11 wins is what impresses me about them. Mm-hmm. I don't I just can't see Tennessee getting as much love as they're getting and the Packers not getting that same amount of love because when we're talking about offensive output and them relying on their run game, that's exactly what Tennessee did, except the Packers probably have even better pieces when you talk about long-term success. That that's why that's why I keep saying like I don't really understand how we can fault the Packers for winning the way that they did, but then pat the Titans on the back for winning the way that they did. It's it's very similar. They both has strong defenses, relied on the run games, and then their quarterback showed up when he needed to. That was basically it. And that might change, but we don't know. I, I, ultimately, I just I, they got, for me, they have to be a top ten team, but teach their own. Yeah, it yeah. just wasn't yeah. sexy thirteen wins, I guess. But uh, that's yeah, a good exactly. segue. Into, yeah, into my number five, which is the Tennessee Titans, um, who I love, big Titans guy, obviously. Derrick Henry is my guy, of course, just from fantasy football glory. We won't get into that. He oh, caused about so it all much day. fear, man. When I was playing but, uh, in the fantasy playoffs last year, yeah, oh. Derek Henry caused me so much fear. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I just think, I think Tannehill, the second half of the year, I think, I get thinking he might regress, but I also think we aren't realizing, like, he was an elite, like, top three to five quarterback the, like, for this whole second half of the year when he was playing. It wasn't like he was just, oh, he's, like, a good quarterback now. It was like he was an elite quarterback by the end of the year. Yeah. Derrick Henry, I, I I think it's fair, like the workload, hopefully, because obviously with running backs, they tend to have that short lifespan, especially when they're worked as much as he is. I don't necessarily see it happening this year, but um, I, I think that's a fair point. And I think A.J. Brown, like by the end of this year, I think we're talking yeah. about as like an elite wide receiver. I mean, he was an absolute stud, like such a playmaker. So I think you're talking about the girly Matt Ryan <laughs> Julio Jones, that's like an older awesome trio. I think by the end of this year, we're talking about this trio as maybe being an elite trio. And um, obviously, the defense is great. Off losing uh, Conklin, I guess, um, is tough. But uh, and I love Vrabel. Um, and I, I thought, like, when we were talking about the Tom Brady to the Titans rumors, I thought that was ridiculous because I think, I mean, the way Tannehill played down the stretch was, I mean, fantastic. And whether, I mean, we'll see. I mean, the Dolphins always believed in him, it just didn't work out. So. I think uh, the talent was always there, so hopefully it sticks, and uh, I've got them at five. So it's funny you use the word elite, right? So I want to know what you define as the word elite, because the reason the reason I would consider someone elite is when they've shown this extremely high level of – I won't use the word extremely, but a very high level of play consistently for a – for a long span of time, whether that be several years or whether that be, you know, two years in a row, three years in a row, because I don't think, like – the first year Julio Jones had a great season or the first year DeAndre Hopkins had a great season or the first year Andrew Luck had a great season or the first year, you know, anyone had a great season, we considered them elite because you don't know what they're going to do the season after. Ryan Tannehill has been in the NFL for five to six years. He might have finally found a fit in, in Tennessee that works better for him. But do I have extreme confidence that Ryan Tannehill will continue to play at the level that he did with the Titans in the second half of last season through the playoffs? I don't think that I do. That's why I have him lower. It's not because I don't think Tannehill will be good for their season. I, or, or I don't think that Tannehill will be good for the Titans. What I'm worried about is a situation in which Derrick Henry gets hurt because he's literally had so many carries the last two years. He's had 300 last year, and he had even more than that the year before. And then all of a sudden, you don't have an elite running back. As a matter of fact, out of everyone that you mentioned, the only player that I consider elite on the Titans right now is Derrick Henry because he has proven for back-to-back seasons that 
he can carry the team on his back because that's literally what he's done. He can carry the team on his back, and you can line up seven guys in the box against him, and he'll run right through you to the end zone. And what I'm worried about is running backs already have a short lifespan. It's the easiest position to get injured. Look at guys like Gurley. Look at guys like David Johnson, these guys that for two to three years were dominant, and then all of a sudden they're hurt and can't hold up their own anymore. I could, Even though Henry's a bigger dude, I could very well see that happening to him because they're giving him so many carries. And if Henry goes down – do I have confidence in Ryan Tannehill carrying that offense with whoever else they put in the running back position? And even with A.J. Brown continuing to progress, which I do think A.J. Brown or A.J. Brown will be a top you know, 15 to top 10 receiver next year because I do think he's improving at that rate. Do I see Tannehill being able to do that? I do not because I, in half a season, he has not proved that to me. He might prove me wrong and do it this season, but I'm more inclined to believe that that second half of last season is – less likely the norm than what he has done before that. I think he will be better than he was in the Dolphins or the Titans, but I don't think he will be an elite quarterback like you were just calling him because he only did it well, for a six-game span is what I'm saying, like a seven-game span. However long I'm, not, I'm not saying going into this year I consider him an elite quarterback. I was saying that during that time span, he was playing at an elite level, like a top Fair. three level. As Fair, opposed to people he got paid like one. That's, that's okay, another problem I have with it. I, mean, I, do think he's, I do think you could see him play closer to that than obviously when he was with Miami where he was a fleet. I, I agree with that. I, I yeah. for, for all we know, maybe maybe I'm completely wrong and he just turned over a new leaf because he's always got potential to be great. So maybe he'll continue to play great. But I just don't see – I see that team relying so much on Derrick Henry and I see Derrick Henry um, being like literally the foundation of that team that if anything happens to Derrick Henry, all of a sudden that team is – I don't, I don't have very much confidence anymore. Like, I think all of a sudden they fall off a lot. But for as much as they were relying on Derrick Henry, that offense was such a juggernaut. Like, they were, like Tannehill was still throwing for 350, sometimes almost 400 yards. Because of Derrick Henry. Yes, because, I mean, you can run the play-action pass. I get it. But, like, it's not like it was like, all right, Derrick Henry's going to rush for 160. Tannehill's going to throw for 150 and a touchdown and not turn it over, like game manager type thing. Like, he was slinging it. And obviously, it opens up a lot of opportunities with the run game. But, like, we've seen, still we've seen several, we've, we've seen several quarterbacks have, like, runs. Maybe not that level where they got to the NFC Championship, but we've seen several quarterbacks have runs where they're throwing for 300 to 350 yards and several touchdowns when they have a great foundation around them and they have a great running game. Because, literally, if you go back and watch the highlights, you can see when Tannehill was doing his damage. It was when teams literally said, hey, I'm not going to respect Tannehill. And he made them pay. Don't mind you. But they were stacking seven or eight in the box because all they cared about was Henry running the football. And you had A.J. Brown running wide open. And you had a bunch of other receivers that weren't great running wide open. All Ryan Tannehill had to do was dump the ball to him in man-to-man coverage. And all they had, if the receiver beat their guy, they were having, having big gains. I didn't see Tannehill going out there making like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady-esque, you know, Aaron Rodgers-esque throws consistently. I just saw him taking advantage of the situation he was in. And I give him a ton of credit for that. But at the same time, I'm just saying those situations might not continue to arise. And can he push them to that next level if those situations don't come up? And I don't have that confidence because for a large span of his career, he hasn't proven that he can. And maybe the Titans will change that for him going forward. But I don't know. I just don't know if I see that. So that's that's that. Anyway, I feel like we spent a ton of time on the Titans. But if you have anything left, throw it out there and then we'll move on because I don't want to because we talked about yeah, it a bit. We'll go on to four. I mean, the defense is also so good. Like, I think we talk about well-rounded teams. That's also one of the more well-rounded teams in the league. Agreed. So even if Tannehill doesn't play in an elite level, 
I think that you could still see them at five, but that's my last word. Uh, who wants to move on to uh, to four? Unless Zach, you wanted to cool, jump cool. In on no, yeah, I'm good, man. I can go ahead and list my four because you guys are about to laugh at my five. All right, I'll go with my five. I thought we did five. We should all. I don't think Zach. I don't think did Zach give us five. My Tampa Bay was Tampa Bay was my six. My five oh. is the Los Angeles Rams. I think we make an Gosh. unbelievable comeback this year. I, I truly do. And you know what? Mark my words. I see the recording. Uh, I see that Evan's recording this call. I know we're going to put, put this on YouTube afterwards. Mark my words, everybody. The Los Angeles Rams will be a top five team in the NFL. They will make the playoffs. And they may even win the division and arguably the best division in football in the NFC West with Seattle, with Arizona and improved Arizona, and obviously with a uh, San Francisco 49ers. So this is why I think they're going to do so well. I think they get, needed to get rid of Gurley, right? He was taking up too much cap space, and uh, and I think they're going to let the guy like Malcolm, Malcolm Brown fly. I think he's... <laughs> is that what they're going with? I think he's going to do a great job. Someone. I think you also got great cash cows to invest in and Aaron Donald and obviously Jalen Ramsey who actually wants to be there. Obviously didn't play well when he was in Jacksonville because he obviously wanted to get off the team. He has that nice contract. He's in that he's in, you know, Los Angeles, the greatest city to be to be young in. And he's he's happy there. He's gonna be there for a long time. I think with these players, you're gonna see you're going to see natural improvement on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. You still got a great developing player in Robert Woods, a guy who is from USC who loves playing there as well. And I think you also got another guy from California, Jared Goff, that's going to play supremely well. He's another year to learn um, to learn McVay's offense, settle down a little bit. I know it was a rocky road for uh, for you know in terms of that sophomore sophomore slump, or maybe that was his third that was year his last third. year. Was his third yeah. year last year? He's Whatever. Had he, had, he, had a, he had a rocky. He had a rocky road. This is his third year. His second with year McVay. was very good, though. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So this is his fourth, but this is his third year under McVeigh. He's had time to settle down a little bit. I think they're going to re-strategize and they're going to get back to how dominant they were two years ago, where where arguably they were untouchable. I mean, they were one of the scariest teams in the NFL. So. Rams are my five. That's kind of my uh, my reach pick, my stretch pick for sure. But I you, feel well, confident. You've had in a it. few so far, yeah, so yeah. I don't know who you've so, so I don't know who you've left out. But I'm curious to see. We got the Packers. You left out, but there's yeah, got to be so at least two other surprises. The Packers, the Packers, and the Cowboys were my eleven and twelve. Yeah. So so here's the way I see it. Yeah. Also, I didn't have my Cowboys in my top ten either. So yeah. I, I'm gonna assume Evan did neither. But they're about as close as it gets. Um, if you had told me the Rams were going to be I don't know, let's say like the 10th, your 10th team and a playoff team. I'm not going to sit here and say that's like a crazy prediction to make. The problem I have is with you having them at five and having teams like the Packers not even in your top 10. That's like very surprising to me. I could see the Rams bouncing back because I have faith in Sean McVay. I can't see them being the fifth best team in the NFL for several reasons. One, their offense got worse. It, it didn't get better. They lost. They just traded away Brandon Cooks. Um, he, they'll probably draft somebody else, sure. But they traded away Brandon Cooks and they lost Todd Gurley. Um, they have Malcolm Brown replacing right now. We don't know who's going to replace Brandon Cooks. Woods, I think, has kind of capped out his potential. I think what we've seen from Woods the last two years is what we'll continue to get from him. Cooper Cup is probably their most lethal weapon on offense right now because um, him and Goff just have this amazing chemistry. I think Goff will be better this year. I think he'll be better than he was last year, even though he just lost Brandon Cooks and even with Gurley being gone because there won't be as much confusion at the, uh, confusion at the running back position. 
But a big problem I have with them is their defense because Aaron Donald is great and Jalen Ramsey is great, but nobody else like is is like coming out and dominating on their defensive front. Their linebackers aren't that great. They consistently tend to give up big points because Donald is really the only one that's that's holding his own up up front. And then even as good as Ramsey is man to man, a lot of these other guys have been pretty disappointing on the defensive front. And Malcolm Brown, if they go into the season telling Malcolm Brown is their starting running back. I got no faith in their offense, you know, being able to hold up the, their defense struggling. Because even two years ago when they had more pieces on the defense, they were winning games because they were putting up like 40 to 50 points a game with the McVay coached offense. I think McVay will make them better than they were last year because I still have faith in McVay being a great coach. I just don't think that in that division there's any way I see them being um, anywhere near the top five because that division is absolutely loaded. Um, and I could see them even finishing – like I hate to see it – I, I still see him finishing third. I, even with Arizona getting new Hopkins, I don't have a lot of faith in their in their uh, defense. So I, I could still see the Rams finishing third, but I don't see them at all finishing second or first. Um, not not a, not even a little bit. There's a chance they finish fourth. I mean, we never know. So yeah, I'm not enthused by the Rams to be honest. I, I almost feel like they're in not a complete rebuild, obviously, but it's it, some of their moves, like it almost feels like they don't even think they're going to win, to be honest. I mean, oh, Cook's struggled, I think, but uh, yeah, I just don't, I don't really buy it. Yeah, I do think, yeah, I do think okay. based off that point though, Ev, because you pointed out this specific year, this might be a year where they're refilled, rephasing and rebuilding. I do see like, like a one year. Yeah. yeah, I do see a couple of years, like the next couple of years, like or for the next ten years, almost, yeah. the Rams becoming a team that like year after year is going to be a winning team because I have that faith in their in McVeigh and in their GM because I could see them like they're they're being smart right now. They're trading away guys to get more picks um, and keeping the guys that already have the money that you want to keep because like Goff and Donald, you've already invested in the long term and they're they're in that like you know restructuring kind of phase like I was saying. So yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. great. Right, you guys to go. Uh, I well, we did five. I'm at four now, so I think that was oh, our last five. Four. Yeah, four. Yeah, yeah. So I got four. Uh, I, I got Baltimore at four. Okay. Yeah, I think we we start to get into more chalk here. I mean, I think Baltimore at four. Yeah, I mean for obvious reasons. I mean, I I think you know Lamar, it's Lamar. How do you not have him inside the top five? Obviously, um, the whole team I think is just solid all around. I mean, I think it's pretty obvious having them in the top five. Um, and I do think they come in with a bit of a chip on their shoulder this year in a way, just because of how they got knocked out and a little disappointing ending losing to the Titans there. Um, so I think they come into the season maybe a little uh, angry, maybe a little angry, a little chip on their shoulder to, to prove some of the doubters wrong that maybe I, – I not that people are calling them a fluke by any means, but um, just you know being a little disappointed with how it ended. Uh, so I've got them at four. Um, but yeah, what do you guys? Uh, who's y'all go for? What do you think I, can, I can jump in now. Um, I can, I can, I can actually quickly jump in because Baltimore's yeah, my four. Baltimore's my four as well. I think, I think much to what Evan was saying, I think they're they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder. I feel like this team is more like family oriented than like any of the other teams. Like they they truly symbolize like playing for their for the guy on their left and for the guy on their right. They're it just like. There was something about the Baltimore Ravens last year where I, I felt like this like strong sense of connectivity more so than any of the other teams. And like it made me want to root for them because they are just fun to watch. As long as everyone stays healthy, I think they're going to I think they're looking at maybe a slight step back from last year just because last year was so explosive. I think as different defensive coordinators try to figure out how to limit the 
the arsenal attack of of their running offense, and then obviously um, Lamar getting them over the air. You know, I think I think there's going to be a little bit of limitation, but I also think that Harbaugh and company are, are cooking up something special for 2020. So Baltimore is my four as well. Yeah, I think I think teams were maybe a little unprepared for Lamar's arm last year, um, mm-hmm. so they can kind of you know have the offseason to adjust. Um, yeah. I think everyone was pretty surprised with how well he he became as a passer. But uh, so I, so what do you got for for that or for your so four? I'll actually I'll actually do my four and my three because I think it'll tie in well to what you guys uh, are talking about. Um, I think. For four, for me, I'm actually going to have uh, um, the 49ers. Um, I think um, their team hasn't gotten better. I actually think they've lost a few pieces, but I still think they'll finish around the same territory that they did last year in the NFC. Um, they lost DeForest Buckner, obviously, by trading him to the Colts, although they did acquire the 13th pick, so I'm curious to see what they do. I I'm, I'm, would not at all be surprised if they go wide receiver because they also lost Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so their defensive line got a little bit worse, um, even though it's still a great defensive line with Bosa. I'm really, really confused by them. Okay, so Eric Armstead is a great defensive lineman, but I'm very surprised by them investing in him and letting Buckner go as opposed to letting Armstead go and keeping Buckner because Buckner is younger, good point. more dynamic, can play several positions, and I guess maybe they were just, just didn't want to pay uh, or didn't have the money to pay Buckner the way that he probably would have wanted to be paid, so maybe they went Armstead for that reason. So I think their defensive line did get worse. Um, even though it'll still be maybe the best, if not one of the top, you know, two to three defensive line in, in the NFL. Um, and then I think their receiving core needs to improve. And the other thing I will say is I think Jimmy G did what he needed to do to try to win games last year. I think he played a decent game manager role, but I don't have a lot of faith in Jimmy G um, making the big time plays. Um, I never actually did last season. And I think throughout the playoffs last year, like he played well, he played good, but he never truly played great for me. Like, I, I think he had very few games where I was like, wow, look at what Jimmy G did. So that's – I don't have a lot of faith in him. And my main thing – my main reason that they're even at four for me is Kyle Shanahan. Like, he's done a terrific job of, you know, doing that zone run offense that nobody can seem to stop, even though you know it's coming. He's just manages – with any team he goes to, he implements that zone run offense and defenses are caught off guard. And I think he's going to continue to do that. I think Jimmy G is going to continue to be a good big game manager. I think they'll drop some receivers. So I think they'll stay at four for me. Um, and the rest, obviously their defense is filthy. So that, that doesn't really need to be talked about, but then three for me is actually the Ravens. Um, and the reason I have the Ravens over the 49ers right now is because the Ravens got better and the 49ers got a little bit worse. The Ravens got better in that they, Held on to Jimmy Smith, which was a big uh, keep for them, given the fact that he's cornerback. So they didn't lose him, which would have made them get a little bit worse because that secondary um, really was short up. That defense was great last year. You guys already talked about Lamar Jackson, MVP last year. Um, I could definitely see him putting up a great regular season uh, statistically. My one qualm with them is um, I don't know if I trust them in the playoffs, but what will help them is they actually added Calais Campbell that defense mm, that's and right their defense was already one of the best in the nfl and all of a sudden you add one of the best defensive linemen in the nfl on a very team friendly situation they did not give up a lot to get him from jacksonville and he's gonna fit right into that defensive line so that'll put him a little bit over the top my biggest qualm with them is i don't know how much faith i have in that kind of offensive production where you're relying so much on lamar jackson to make those kinds of plays in the playoffs to get them to the super bowl um, because I think on paper they're good enough to be a top two team in the NFL, but I think in terms of like how much trust I have in them, like ex- especially what happened last year in the playoffs with them, 
I don't have a ton of faith in them winning a Super Bowl this year, though. So even though I have them at three, I actually think I'd have several teams ahead of them in terms of teams that I would pick to, to go all the way. That's, that's the way I feel about the Ravens. That's just kind of how I've always felt about that kind of situation. But I can't, I can, I can't bet against John Harbaugh, dude. That dude just finds a way to win. So, um, yeah, you, got, you guys, what do you guys got at three? I've Are you the, three uh, Yeah, I've got the I've got yeah. the 49ers at three. So just flip flopping. And the reason I think the 49ers are 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 gonna just repeat is as much to what Sai said with, with Kyle Shanahan at helm. I mean, I've seen what he what he's done single handedly in Atlanta. So obviously as he uh as he takes that that second year step uh, in in San Francisco, well, I guess this is his second I guess this is his second Third. full year with Jimmy G. His second yeah, full true. year with Jimmy G. So, you know, being able to kind of build off where they left off last year, I feel like they're going to have an extra chip on their shoulder, um, just given everything that happened with the Super Bowl. And I think I think Jimmy G kind of steps into even more of that um, that leadership role where he, you know, it, it does kind of become his team. I know they're kind of leveraging a, a variety of of running backs, and I think you know, um, uh, Monster, right? Monster was kind of the one Oster. that emerged from the from the backfield, yeah. right? Yeah, Tevin Coleman's yeah. a good number two, but I, I mean, he he came he kind of came out of nowhere, and who knows what he'll do this year? He might establish himself into a a top tier running back this year. So you, you know, you never really know. They maintain mostly everyone on defense. I think their defensive um, set up an alignment with Richard Sherman as like their lead DB is phenomenal. So I expect a very similar year, if not improvement, from the uh, San Francisco 49ers. Okay, about you, Ev. Yeah, I've got uh, I've got New Orleans in it three um, uh, obvious reasons. I do. You guys do make some good points about size, specifically about the Niners, and maybe seeing some regression there. So maybe in that respect, I regret having Baltimore maybe not a little higher. But uh, yeah, I, I've slotted in New Orleans at three. I just think they still have um, you know still have the pieces there to be successful. I think Drew um, Drew still still has it in him for at least at least two more years. I would say. Um, I just think those pieces are still that. I think they they got Emmanuel Sanders, right? If I'm not mistaken, they did indeed. Yep. So that's a decent pickup. Uh, it is um, yeah. lengthens that receiving core a little bit. Obviously, I mean, we all saw last year how Michael Thomas is just, I mean, ridiculous, um, which is great to see. And I think another team that comes in with maybe a trip on their shoulder. I mean, with how that season ended last year, um, I, you know, I wouldn't be feeling too actually. good. Back to back years. I mean, yeah. Yeah. you know whether. They feel, uh, I think they feel a little snake bit and a little cursed, but, um, you know, obviously uh, Sean Payton, Drew Brees, hard to bet against them. So I think I have them at a minute three and hopefully yeah. keeping one of the top spots as they're usually in. I'm going to I'm gonna piggyback off that just because you have them at three and I already gave my third and Zach already gave his third. So I'll, I'll move on to my second. I have the Saints at two. Um, but what's crazy is I went really back and forth and had to talk myself out of having them at number one, actually, um, because I truly believe I actually truly believe the Saints are the most well-rounded team in all of the NFL. And I actually don't even think it's close in terms of being well-rounded because they do not have a weakness on their team. I, you can't point to one. Their offensive line is maybe the weakest point of their team. And even that is good. Um, you throw in the fact you got Michael Thomas, who is a freaking – beast man set the reception records last year and people somehow just like for some every year just like kind of forget about him and he's clearly made the case for being maybe the best receiver in the nfl right now like he's up there definitely in the conversation you obviously have alvin Kamara, who's one of the best running backs in the nfl 
Drew Brees speaks for himself, and he's easily the best old quarterback in the NFL. He's definitely better than Brady or Rivers or any of these other guys right now because last year he went out there and had, even after being injured, had a better season than all those guys statistically in any other way. Then you look at their defense, and Marshawn Lattimore, you could argue, is maybe the best corner in the league. So, so far I've named four guys that might be the best of their respective positions. And then you go to their defensive line, and you still have Cameron Jordan and all those guys ba- backing you up. you got a decent linebacker core. And then the guy that was like their true dark horse last year that nobody really talks about is good old Jared Cook, man. He comes over from the Raiders and oh, just yeah. <laughs> a whole season with the Saints. And who who was surprised because Drew Brees to Jared Cooks became a, a solid connection. And then they go out and out of Manuel Sanders and they still got draft picks. Are you kidding me? That team is just straight loaded from top to bottom. Um, and the, the, here's the thing. This is their window. They got one, maybe two years of being able to keep this team together. And then he's got some of these guys are going to get way too expensive. And Drew Brees isn't going to be able to do what, he, what he's done. Plus, plus Taysom Hill, man. I mean, come on. That dude is <laughs> so fun to watch. And the way Sean Payton uses him. That team, it was really hard for me not to put him at one, honestly. But, of course, we'll, we'll talk about one a little bit later. So I got the Saints at two, but a very, very close one for the Saints for me. They're, I actually think that they are, in my opinion, um, by a good margin, the best team in the NFC coming into the season in terms of what they're coming out, coming out with. Because I think they've improved on top of a team that was already maybe the best team in the NFC. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, I like that. Very well said, Cy. I, I actually have the Chiefs at number two. So I was going back and forth about this one. So I ended up going with the Chiefs because I think from a defensive standpoint, I think there's more that New Orleans has that's that's feared than what the Chiefs have currently. Um, I also think the uh, losing Kendall Fuller in the slot to Washington – was was pretty significant. So, Kendall? yep, yep. Kendall's back in in Washington, man. Back yes, in his sir. home territory. So, you know, I just I think that the Chiefs will will take a step forward. Uh, you know, in terms of in terms of offense again, I think they're going to be right where they used to be. Um, I'm also really really happy that Andy Reid got a Super Bowl. I think that man. I was yes, I was cheering so much. Sai uh, and I were actually watching the game together yeah. in Austin. And uh, and we were both just going crazy for the guy. I mean, we were super excited for someone who had been so close for so long in Philly, then kind of pivot his pivot, you know, pivot his career a little bit, switch teams, and then build that organization up from the ground, and go after guys like Mahomes in the first round, and then just like, you know, he he did it the right way with prospect building, and then obviously handing the keys over to Mahomes a couple of years ago. So I I think they're going to be right where they used to be. Um, but I don't see them being better than the Saints in 2020. So I got the Chiefs at two. I guess I'll uh, yeah, I'll kind of wrap mine up too. I got uh, pretty much chalk from last year. I kept Niners at two. Uh, um, which your points are again are pretty valid, so I'm somewhat regretting it. But I just I love what they built there. I mean, around the defense, the running game, the zone blocking, and Kyle Shanahan, he's good. I, Jimmy G, I'm not, you know to your guys' points, not completely sold on yet. But, uh, I mean, obviously, I think there's still a lot of room for um, for growth there. Um, and, obviously, the defense is legit. And Bosa and those guys is just is awesome. Um, and that, that, of course, leaves Chiefs at, uh, at one for me. Just I'm also a big, like, um, just, you know, you got to beat the best kind of guy. So they won last year. So I think, you know, as long as teams like that don't regress – in some massive way, I usually uh, try to try to keep them at the top spots. That's just kind of how I see it. And, uh, 
I guess, yeah. side that leaves Chiefs at one for you as well. Yep, yep. And honestly, you could have reorganized those top four any way you wanted, and I would have never had a problem with it because mm-hmm. I don't really have an argument for like any of them not being able to be the best team in the NFL um, this year. Um, I actually think all three of the teams that I had a four, three, and two are more well-rounded than Chiefs um, in terms of like if you look at position to position. I think all three of them have um, less weaknesses, if you want to put it that way. But like, I just can't. I can't at this point in in the NFL or in the you know sports time frame bet against Patrick Mahomes. We're watching something that we've never seen before. We've never seen someone at this age playing at this caliber. He won a Super Bowl MVP. What is second? a full season starting he his first year he won wins an mvp he's setting records like he's putting up more and more than anything but forget about all the statistics man this dude at such a young age is so composed and i just don't know how you stop that man like the closest teams have gotten is like what what we've done and trying to keep the ball away from him but even that like the uh, this 49ers tried to employ that in the super bowl last year and they were doing all right and all it took was like seven minutes of him playing at his best, and the Chiefs still won the game. Like I just don't know how you stop Patrick Mahomes. I don't. I don't know what defense you create. I think that this version of Patrick Mahomes, the only defense that I can think of in the last like twenty years, was that Seattle team that won the Super Bowl um, against Peyton and almost beat Brady. That's the only team I could ever think of that would be able to somewhat hold their own against Mahomes. And outside of that, I really cannot think of anyone that can stop him because you take him and then you give him all these burners like Tyree kill to lead the foundation. And then you throw in literally every single fast guy you could ever <laughs> draft and that runs under a four, three and put them on that team. You give them one of the best tight ends we've seen in our lifetime, as far as re- receiving and blocking those with Kelsey. And it's just unfair. You, you got this guy with a cannon with composure and then it doesn't really matter who you have at running back. So their defense can give up like 30, 40 points and they're, they'll probably still win the game because how good that offense is. So I just, I'm just i just going to always go with the, who I think is the best quarterback in the NFL right now, and I think that's Patrick Mahomes, and I don't even think there's a question about it. Um, I think they, I got him defending again with Andy Reid and Mahomes coming back. And um, even though I have them at one, I actually think I have the Saints as my Super Bowl champions. So that's why, Zach, I have no problem with you having the Saints at one. I actually have the Saints right there with them, but – um, it's going to be really hard to pick against the Chiefs just because of Mahomes. I mean, really, that name strikes fear into people's people's hearts these days. So uh, that's that's where I wrap up my list. Um, and cool. I think overall, our at least in our final four, there, it, we, uh, we yeah we all did pretty well. So um, yeah, what what a list we got. That was the first first one we've ever done. We we had quite the discussion there. I think this was qu- quite a long episode, but that was that was fun. Man. Yeah, we're at I, eighty minutes. You know, some I, good I, meat I on that phone, Zach. I, I, I have a question for you guys. I wanted to okay. catch you guys a little off guard with this. So you guys, I, we, we weren't able to prepare for this while I was. But I'm curious to see, what was one free agency or free agent move that just didn't make sense or didn't sit well with you? And then what's one that you wish you saw? So Evan, maybe you can go first. Wish I saw like a... Yeah, like which one? Like, like wh- what would you have liked to see with like where these free agents ended up? Like... Where would you have liked them, liked oh, them to be differently? Ooh. That's a tough one. Jeez. Um, Maybe I can give you guys uh, some time need, to think about yeah. it. I can go first. You guys I, got, I, got an yeah. idea. I got an idea. You guys got something queued up. I got to get out. All right. I'll, I'll go first. Free I'll go first. So, so one that, one that didn't. Trades, right? Free agents, yeah. 
So, or well, it can be free agents or trades, like any off-season move. I get, maybe that's like a better. I think way to I think we can if we include a trade. All all of our answers are going to be the same thing. It's going to be DeAndre Hopkins trade. So that, that that's obviously the worst move that's been made in this offseason. I don't even think that's <laughs> like I don't even think that's, that's an a opinion. good one. I think that's just the like one of the worst moves we've seen in two decades. <laughs> true, so true. give me your best we'll free agent. Because, that. Yeah. So yeah. I would I would say well I'm not sure if it could be free agency or trade that doesn't necessarily matter I I was gonna say one thing that didn't sit well with me is I wish Stephon Diggs went to Baltimore instead of the Bills for some reason like Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo doesn't make a lot of sense to me and I think the reason why it doesn't make so much so much sense is like obviously Josh Allen needs like a supreme wide receiver to take him and the Buffalo Bills offense to the next level. Obviously their defense was, was, was powerful enough to kind of push them into the playoffs and Josh Allen made plays, right. But more on the ground than really through the air. And so, um, and so obviously I see the benefit with adding a guy like the Stefan Diggs, who will be like undisputably their guy. I feel like in Minnesota, he, he was kind of overshadowed by an Adam Thielen that clearly got along with Kirk Cousins better than he did. Um, but one thing that I would love, I would have loved to see is I would have loved to see a hybrid, a hybrid tier one receiver in Stefan Diggs really shine in Baltimore for an offense that really could use a reliable possession like receiver and then leave the deep threat Hollywood Brown to kind of do his thing. And coming from the fact that Stefan Diggs is also a Maryland guy born and raised, this was a five-star wide receiver that turned down offers from Alabama and company to go to the University of Maryland. I thought it would have been pretty cool to see him go back to Baltimore dressed out in all black on Sunday nights and go out and play for uh, play for that organization. So that was something that was disappointing that I really wanted to see. And then um, flipping it, one thing I would have really, I, one thing I really would have liked to see was Taysom Hill going to the New England Patriots and being that quarterback. That would have been hilarious. I would have loved to That's see Bill Belichick, and I would not have been surprised if Bill Belichick made a move like that to entice Sean Payton to give up Taysom Hill and have him be their undisputable, the guy, the next Tom Brady in the New England scheme. Nah, so that would have been kind of nah, cool with, to see. With Teddy, actually my move was going to be Teddy Bridgewater to the uh, Carolina Panthers is actually what I was going to talk about because I think Teddy's awesome. I think it's awesome that the Panthers um, were able to get a guy like that, but it also didn't make a ton of sense to me, right? Because I think Teddy is ready to go to a team that has a foundation to win and go win games with them. Because he proved last year with the Saints that if you give him a good squad, albeit a great squad in the Saints, he can go win games. He was 5-0 with one. the Saints, and he came out there. And so it doesn't really make a lot of sense for me to go for him to go to the Panthers because the Panthers are not ready to win right now. McCaffrey and Bridgewater are what they have. Luke Keekley just retired. Um, their receiving core is not that great. Their secondary is not that great. They have so many things they need to improve on. I don't understand why you take Bridgewater right like when he's about to enter the prime of his career and he ends up on the Panthers. It might end up being good for the Panthers long-term, but if I was Bridgewater, I'm surprised that he didn't try to get himself on a team that's ready to go and compete in the playoffs right now or be in the playoffs right now. So that kind of got me because I have a lot of faith in what Bridgewater is able to accomplish. Um, there's no way Sean Payton trades away Taysom Hill because I think he is legitimately honest mm -hmm. about with them letting Bridgewater walk and not wanting to pay him the money that he got. I think they're serious about letting him get a chance after Drew Brees leaves. I'm sure they'll still trade, draft other people or maybe trade for someone else. But I actually think Taysom Hill will get that starting position at, at the Saints. Um, so I'm really glad he didn't get traded. And I did not want to watch like one of the most entertaining guys in the NFL 
playing for the Patriots. I, I couldn't bear that. So I'm really glad he didn't go there. Um, one thing I really want to point to, though, and this is actually one of the main reasons I didn't have the Bills in my top 10. I think Stefan Diggs is getting too much hype. Like, I'm, I'm very confused right now, okay? Stefan Diggs is a good receiver. I'm not disputing that. But he's not a great receiver. At no point in his career has he been a great receiver. Him, all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, the Bills acquired Stephon Diggs. They're all of a sudden this, like, they've gotten so much better. And I'm like, where? Like, yeah, he's better than who they had. Sure, their receiving core gets a little bit better. But they didn't acquire DeAndre Hopkins. They didn't acquire some top, you know, five to ten receiver. They acquired a guy that is a solid wide receiver, too, in my opinion. I don't think he's ever been better than that. He's He's had – a few games here and there where he's been great, but overall he hasn't had one season where I've sat there and been like, Oh, Diggs, you know, can really carry a team, a team's receiving core and be that guy that a team can rely on. I don't feel that strongly about him. Maybe he develops more, but he's had several seasons playing in an offense and where he's had the potential to show that. And he's been outperformed by someone like Adam Thielen. And I see that being the case um, for the rest of his career. I, I will never see him as a top tier receiver. I think he'll always be like a, uh, almost like a, a a great number two, but never a great number one. So that's why like, I don't care too much about like the, like I think it was a good move for the bills, but it doesn't really make me feel that much better about him. And I don't think the Ravens getting him would have changed a whole lot for him anyway, because they don't throw to their receivers. Like they don't really even like, they don't see, they'll, they'll chug it down to Goodwin. Otherwise they'll run the ball with Mark Ingram and dump it off to Mark Andrews and have Lamar Jackson on the ball. So it doesn't really matter if they get another receiver or not. I almost feel like getting a great receiver for him would be, a waste for that receiver, honestly. So, yeah. Yeah, those are good ones. Uh, I had to jog my memory a little bit, but the one that, when it happened, didn't really make sense to me um, is Melvin Gordon to the Broncos. Just felt a little random to me. I mean, I'm a big Melvin Gordon believer, so I think he could have gone somewhere else and been a real impact player. I mean, I guess the Broncos mm-hmm. are coming along with Drew Locke, who I kind of like. Um, but they also, I think they still have both Lindsay and Freeman, or is one of them is one of them gone now? Do we know? I think Freeman's gone, but they kept Lindsay, so that's going to okay. be interesting how okay. they kind of play that out. Yeah, that's a, maybe a decent tandem. Yeah, I guess that that Freeman's gone, but uh, I don't know. It just seemed a little random, and I, I mean, I think also like the the money with it. Like I, I don't know. I just didn't really didn't really see that fit there. I agree, um, and I guess yeah. And my, I guess what I would. have have liked to see is still an open question but one that i would like to see maybe a little more under the radar but trent williams still being out there as a trade chip is something that sneaks under the radar because obviously he's not gonna play for the redskins at this point it seems unless (laughs) i mean he's made that pretty clear um (laughs) yeah so like to some team that would be able to acquire you know an elite one of the best left tackles in the game maybe tampa bay I don't know who they have at left tackle right now, um, but someone that can solidify that line for Brady, I think that would be a huge jump. I mean, if he had, if Brady had gone to L.A. along with Trent Williams, um, both of them together, I think would have been fascinating because obviously their biggest issue was the line. Um, so to solidify that and then get Brady in there would have been um, an interesting pairing, although ultimately I'm happy with, with Brady ending up in Tampa Bay. Um, but I think a team that trades for Trent Williams specifically, maybe Tampa Bay, uh, could be a game changer. So, so the one thing I will say about that, though, is, like, obviously I would definitely trade for Trent Williams if I had the cap space to do it. There's probably a lot of teams in the NFL that can't afford him right now because he's going to be extremely expensive coming from the premier offensive line position, knowing that he wants the money and he deserves the money, but you got to be a team that has the cap space to do it. Um, 
So it'll be interesting to see who can do it. I'm willing to bet a, a good chunk of money, though, that he gets traded during the draft. There's no way they wait till after yeah. the draft. I actually think while the draft is going on, some the Redskins will offer him to some team for their pick somewhere in like the second or third round. Um, it seems like that's what's happening. It's going to suck for the Redskins, though, because he's definitely worth more than, than what they're going to trade him for. But that whole situation has kind of gotten sour, so that's not going to change. One real quick question. Obviously, we're, we're well over, so whatever. I'm just going to ask anyway. How Screw it at this the, point. <laughs> yeah, how do you guys yeah. the Nick Foles situation? Is oh, the, Bears, like the, the Bears go with Trubinsky and Nick Foles? And then who is it? Wait, wait, where did Marcus Mariota go? Like he, He's a backup now to uh, to somebody right now? He, he, so it's yeah, he, yeah, yep. Now he's a backup to Derek Carr. So now we have a team with Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota who were both starters last year, and a team with Nick Foles and Mitch Trubinsky who were both starters last year. And that's a really interesting situation, man. I'm really curious to see what those teams, what that team's thought process was. I guess they were just like, let these guys compete and see who wins out. But I could actually see Foles being very good with Matt Nagy. I, I, that's one thing that I am actually, you know, was surprisingly like never in my life did I think, oh, man, that was a good trade for Nick Foles. But I actually feel very strongly about that because – all the Bears really needed for the last two years was to have a quarterback that's somewhat competent, and Trubisky was the furthest thing from that. So I have faith in Nick Foles. You know, he, he did it with Peterson and Reich. Why can't he do it with Nagy? That's the way I look at it. I think I think Nagy saw the Philly special play, and he was like, "Yep, I want that he was guy." Away. Give like me Nagy, that man. Nagy like loves creating offensive schemes based off of like very distinctive players that will fit that role like uh like you know what i'm saying like uh even when like the bears were a playoff caliber team two years ago and they i think they won the division um i mean obviously they, they had like this very fearsome defense but they had these like very peculiar players that were like kind of like leading the backfield like you had jordan howard and Tariq cohen who were you know, really playing well off of each other. You had Trubisky, who was kind of acting as a game manager and and recording just as many yards on on the ground than he did through the air. And then you also had guys like Allen Robertson and and uh, I, I I can't even remember who some of the other receivers were, but they all kind of fit together in like this perfect puzzle piece. Gabriel. So I actually, I oh, yeah, yeah, Gabriel. That's right. That's exactly what I was thinking of. And so I think. I think Matt, Matt Nagy definitely has something up his sleeve. I would have personally liked to see Cam Newton go up there. That's what I thought was going to happen all along. So I feel like at the end of the day, Cam's kind of sitting there scratching his head just like we are. I actually but, didn't um, want that I'm at excited. all. You didn't want that? Uh, no, I don't oh, I would think, have loved to see him I don't think Nagy. I don't think Nagy needs a guy like Cam. I think he needs someone who's just going to make those accurate throws in the short and long field. Cam is not an accurate player. Cam is a – let me put the team on my back and try to run the ball and create plays kind of player. And mm -hmm. I don't think that's what Nagy needs. All he needs is with his system of the way that he uses running backs, running around the way that they do, and the number of weapons that he is able to utilize in the, to their maximum potential. All he needs is a quarterback that when when he's in the pocket, just get the ball to the right guy. That's it. Trubisky couldn't even do that. And I think that's why <laughs> Phil Foles is there. I still, think they'll, I still think they'll compete. And, you know, maybe there's a chance Trubisky shows him something and, is back starting, but I actually think Foles is the perfect guy for him because they don't need anything more than that. They just need him to play the way that he did with the Eagles, which he very well can because he's got a very similar coordinator to who he had with the Eagles. They run a very similar style with Doug Peterson and uh, with Nagy, so I could see that. Um, and then the other question, I, 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 Marietta we don't even really have to talk about because right now he's going to be a backup, 
and like he's he was a backup at Tennessee by the end of last season, so we don't need to talk about that. Do you guys think Jacksonville ends up with Cam Newton or with um, uh, James Winston? I could very – or do you think they roll with Minshew? Because I could very realistically see one of those two guys going to Jacksonville. I know what Evan – I know what Evan's about to say. Evan's about to say, rolling with Minshew, baby. Minshew nah, he's trash. He's yeah, trash. Just, that was a fluke. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I do kind of think they're going to roll with Minshew. But I, I think that's a short-lived thing, or maybe it's one of those things they roll with him through some of the season, and Cam still hangs around without a team, and they sign him like mid-season or something. Yeah. Well, I don't know. But really? uh, it's where do, what do you guys think Cam and James Wynn ends up then? I think, those guys aren't going to go on sign the whole season. I mean, come on. So but I is he going to sign somewhere that he's not going to? Sorry, I heard Cam was going to go to Washington because the whole Ron Rivera, Ron Rivera coach. Well, that's Cam that's gone a couple of years ago and led them to the Super Bowl, but I think that's, I think that's, you're right. That's I think that's now with Kyle Allen because they traded for Kyle Allen and <laughs> okay. they have All Alex right. Smith on the cap. So you already have three quarterbacks on the cap. Oh, that's true. I forgot about Alex. They're, they're Smith set with Haskins, at least for now. <laughs> Makes no sense. You got to give Haskins this chance to start. You don't draft them top 20 and then not ever give them a full season to start. You never even got a shot like Teams are running away from their quarterbacks so quickly without actually having that potential. I'm just so shook by the fact that Cam and James are just sitting here, like, unsigned. James is awful. James deserves to sit there. He is trapped. He obviously has a massive turnover problem, but there's few people with his, like, arm talent. Like, like he's uh, definitely, but- he definitely could be, like, like, he could definitely figure out a way to be a decent starting quarterback um, somewhere. Like, he doesn't, if, if somebody can – Get him to limit his turnovers. That dude could be successful. I, 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 the biggest problem with them, I think, is if he was like a good dude with like a good rapport, he'd be signed right now. I think he would be. I think the main problem is they. A lot of teams probably think he's unfixable because he is. He has such a bad personality in terms of people's eyes and like what they view him as. That it's what makes it really hard to trust them. Um, like I, I don't think anybody was like, oh, go get me, Jameis. But there are. I did actually see some Bucks fans pretty disappointed in the fact that they were out on Jameis. So. Um, it's, a, it's an interesting situation because Cam and James are two of the more raw talents that we've seen in the NFL or come into the NFL from college. We're talking about two guys that, you know, were national champions, right? So it's like, a, and they were both very, you know, very damn good in college. And Cam showed that he could win an MVP and get to a Super Bowl. But at the same time, they both have a lot to their games that are, it's hard to like and can be a little bit polarizing. So I don't know. It's an interesting position. I just yeah. don't see many quarterback or like many teams that feel. They, they probably do in reality have a hole at quarterback. But I think there, there aren't many teams that really are, are actively looking, I don't think. I mean, Jaguars maybe one. And the other issue with Cam is, is, is Cam going to sign somewhere where he's not the starter? Um, no, there's no way. Yeah, he's got too that. big I mean, of an ego. He can't be a bad yeah, J- Jameis, I think, will have to um, and ultimately will. But it's, it's like, I mean, there's a lot of, like, you look at, like, L.A., you would think, but they seem comfortable with Tyrod Taylor for now and they're in position to draft Herbert or Tua. Jacksonville would be the obvious one. Like, they need someone else in there. But they seem happy. You know, they want to at least give Minshew a try. Um, the draft, you know, like the said, draft the, will the definitely make that for sure. I think, I yeah, think once the draft finishes, then Cam and Jameis will have, a, like, a better idea of where they're going to end up. Because some teams might just try to see how the draft plays out and see if they can get one of their guys. And if they don't, then they'll probably um, make that acquisition. It probably makes things less complicated now, actually, that Cam is a free agent. Um, before, like, trading for him was, like, a nightmare situation. Like, nobody wanted to give up anything for his contract. So now it'll be interesting yeah. to see um, how he how they approach free agency with that. But it's just so crazy to see a guy that in 2015 was literally an MVP and 
was like this close to winning a Super Bowl with this team being cut by that team not so many years after is that's a wild, wild. I, I don't think I've ever seen that actually. Uh, I don't think I've seen an MVP cut like that. That's a very unique position. So yeah, yeah. I I think I have two teams. I think I can see I can see Cam going to char- the Chargers. I mean, it's like Los Angeles. He it's back to stardom. He obviously wants to start now. They've clearly got the weapons to be good quickly, and they certainly got the defense to be good quickly. They're just missing a piece, and and I think I think that. Um, the longer that he remains unsigned, the more impatient he'll be to sign. And so I feel like, you know, obviously he knows he's not going to get his $20 million a year contract. But I think they coast with Tyrod just like they did kind of in Cleveland until Tyrod starts making mistakes. And I feel like they could sign him at any point in time. And then in terms of Jameis, I think there's a great spot on the uh, Washington Valor, the uh, XFL team. We would love to see him in the Washington area. <laughs> Jameis, if you want to make 60, 60 grand a year, you awesome. let me know. I'll be I'll be in the first row with a foam finger cheering you on, my man. So yeah, that's what, what I'm about think. Is, dude. What about twelve gauge? <laughs> yeah, man, don't, don't be don't be hating on those guys. Man. No, I think I think as I think both of those guys realistically will their best bet is to sign a one year deal, like a prove it deal. That's the only way you're yeah. going to get those like those contracts that you want and the kind of starting jobs that you want is the prove it deal. Because look at what Tannehill has done for his career, and look at what you know other guys have done for their career in such a short period of time. Of Nick Foles, like even if you have half a great season, like that's enough for teams to start investing in you long term. So they need they both need prove it deals. So people can get over that stigma of them not being able to produce. So anyway, we should end it at that since we're yeah. essentially double what we would normally expect. That's pretty, pretty, uh, right. pretty <laughs> out there. Wow. If you stayed till the end, you know, good for That's you. Awesome. Well, we the cap for sure. Let me take that back. If you're actually listening, period, good on you. Thank you. If you stay till the end, um, you know, great on you that, you know, that probably means you're, you're my mother or something like that, but, uh, or Megan or something, <laughs> Megan watching news. Yeah, Megan will watch. We could have spent um, the last like 30 minutes like singing karaoke or something and nobody would even know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it all works out, man. But yeah, I guess uh thanks thanks for listening. If you did, uh leave us leave I guess we gotta do the YouTube bit, right? Leave us comments, subscribe, hit the notification <laughs> bell to see the rest of the videos. That's the whole spiel. Uh, um and also, you know, leave leave comments if you want specific top ten lists. <laughs> I had to. I had to. Uh, you know, if you if you've uh, if you got top ten lists you want to hear, you know, um, drop them in the comments, and we can uh, come up with some ideas. Hopefully, the pandemic isn't too much longer, but I'm sure we'll have a few more weeks of top ten lists. So, what do you guys top ten bachelors? Got last word. Top ten. You know, Evan and I will speak on that. Woo-hoo! Top Gosh. ten survivor scenes. Size okay, now I'm, in the I'm, building. I'm in on that one. I'm in on that one. No, for real. We uh, we're, we're very open minded to. Uh, any lists that people have. Also, if you have a list that you really want to put out there and also get on our show and uh, talk with us, we are all in on that. We love having guests. Just leave your cereal bowls at home. Shout out to Alex Wynn, who decided to have a meal while he was on our show. Um, and in a more serious note, um, everyone stay safe and please, uh, you know, please uh, you stay sane during the self-isolation period. But we appreciate everyone you know, doing, doing their job here and um, looking forward to getting back to sports soon enough, but we'll keep bringing this content. In the meanwhile, uh, we, we love you guys. Thank you for listening in. Zach, you got any uh, final, final thoughts? No, this is MDS. Thank you guys for listening. It's good to be back with these two gentlemen, and uh, we will talk to you soon. Thank you. Thanks, Jason. Right, take Peace care, out. guys.